Good morning. <laughs> Is it? It's Mr. Williams. Yeah, Mr. Williams, that's what my students call me. Yeah. <laughs> you guys can give me a little bit more energy than my students. Good morning. <laughs> oh, you guys want homework. <laughs> I can give you I can give you homework. I can give you <laughs> Make sure to sign into the Google Classroom. Put the code up on the. <laughs> yeah, that's what we use nowadays. Yeah. Well, good morning, everybody. It is so good to be with you all. Um, I always just uh, am always so grateful for the honor, the privilege, and the pleasure to stand before you all and to deliver the word. And today, um, we're going to be diving into um, a couple passages that have actually been brewing in my heart for the past five years or so. And this is kind of like really the, the time where I've actually begun to give language to what the Lord's been stirring in my heart. And, um, and also, specifically, the Lord's been touching my life with the message of Mary of Bethany for the past eight months. Um, and so today I'm just kind of giving language to something that's been brewing in my heart. And I don't have all the language and I don't have all of the words, the right words to say, but it's something that's on the inside of me. You know, like one of the, it's one of those where it's like it's on the inside of you, but you don't know exactly how to say it. And as many of you all know, I like to uh, pass out notes so that you guys can follow along with me. Um, and we're going to kind of do like a, a little... Uh, a Bible study, I guess, sort of, kind of. And I want to show you something in the Word that the Lord marked my heart with um, in the fall of 2018. And I think is really, really relevant for today, but also extremely critical for every believer. Every person that says that they follow Jesus. I believe that this message today is extremely important because we're talking about living a one-thing lifestyle. <laughs> we're talking about living a life that's focused on one thing, and that focus is heart connection and deep intimacy and relationship with Jesus. Because it's easy sometimes in a season of life to say, Jesus, you're my one thing, you're my one thing, right? But then it's difficult when it five years down the road, 10 years down the road, 20, 30, 40, 50 years down the road, and that this would be the relevant thing. You know, like, I'm, I'm 26 years old right now, right? I'm, you know, I'm a, I'm a young guy. But I want this one thing to be as relevant to me now or, you know, when I'm, like, 40 years down the road as it is to me now. Like, I, I, this, is, this is what I want my one thing to be, is to live a life that has a heart that's deeply connected to Jesus. Because it's easy to live a life that's distracted. It's easy to live a life like Martha, where she's troubled and anxious about many things. But the difficulty is living like Mary, where she is completely locked into Jesus, open heart, open Bible, having a conversation with him, and that, yes, there are a lot of the things that in life that happen, 
Um, but in the midst of all of the craziness, in the midst of all of the swirl, still being able to connect with Jesus and maintaining that deep heart connection with him. That's what I'm talking about today when I'm talking about living a one thing lifestyle. It's about living a life that's centered around the beauty of God, centered around beholding God for who he is. Um, and uh, I, this is what I always say to my students. I hope you guys brought your Bible to Bible class today because we're going to open the scriptures. Because, <laughs> you know, we, I, I always get students that are like, can I go outside and get my Bible? And I'm like, did you not bring your Bible to Bible class? <laughs> it, just, it just blows my mind sometimes. But anyway, we're going to be looking at a couple of passages of scripture. Um, and so if you guys have a copy of the scriptures I'm going to ask you to mark two places down, and that's Psalm 27 and also uh, John 17. So we're going to Psalm 27 and John 17. And I'm going to pray for us, and then, um, and then we'll, we'll get going. We'll get going. So, Father, we come before you in the name of your glorious, beautiful son, Jesus. Lord, we say thank you for sending him to the cross, Lord, that he willingly went and that you willingly gave your son for our redemption and for our reconciliation with you, that all of our sins are forgotten, that all of our sins are forgiven, and that we are made a new creation because of the Holy Spirit who dwells on the inside of us. And so, Lord, I'm asking, according to Ephesians 1, 17 and 18, Lord, that you would release the spirit of wisdom and a revelation upon our hearts today. Lord, that our eyes, that the eyes of our hearts would be opened to see you in your beauty, to see you in your glory. Lord, to be transformed by beholding you. And so, Lord, I'm asking that even this morning that you would mark our hearts, that you would mark our minds, that you would mark our spirits, Lord, with this one thing. Lord, to behold your beauty, to have a deep, intimate heart relationship connection with you, and that this would dictate uh, the way that we live our life before you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So this message came to me the fall of 2018. Now, this is when I was a fresh Bible college student, and I was at Moody Bible Institute. I had just gotten there. And I remember uh, I had done an internship at the House of Prayer East Lansing for about a year. And I went off to Moody Bible Institute with a heart just really zealous for the Lord. And I remember uh, that I was meditating in Psalm 27.4 and thinking about all of the things that, that David is saying right here. And so if you have, uh, if you have your Bibles open, it, we're looking at Psalm 27 verse 4. And this is what, this is what uh, David says, and I'm not going to read the whole psalm, but this is really what I'm getting at, right? Because this is what David is known for, a man of passion and zeal for God. And this is his one thing right here. This is what he says. He says, I have asked, or you could say desired, one thing from the Lord, right? This guy's a king, he, he has everything. He says, there's one thing that I want. There's one thing that I desire. One thing I've asked of the Lord, it is what I desire. To dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, gazing on the beauty of the Lord and seeking him in his temple. 
right? I mean, if you just spend just a moment to meditate on what David was saying there, it's a really powerful statement. He said, there's one thing. There's one thing that I want, and it's to behold the beauty of God. It's to see God for who he is, to be in his temple with you know, Bible open where I'm pacing around to meditate and inquire and gaze upon his beauty. He's saying, this is the one thing that I want. And I remember when I was at Moody, this is was in my heart and this is what I was meditating on. And Moody has like these prayer cells where you have like just a chair and it's a door you can, you know, kind of close yourself in. And I remember turning to John 17 as well. And so go ahead and turn to John 17 and we're looking at verse 24, because this is the thing that struck me to the core of my heart, because I realized that David prayed, you know, this one thing desire, but then a millennia later, the son of David, the Messiah, Christ Jesus, prayed the exact same prayer as David. This is what he says in Psalm, uh, or John, John 17, 24. He says, Father, I want, or in other words, I desire those you have given me to be with me where I am so that they will see my glory, which you have given me because you loved me before the world's foundation. And so Jesus and David, they literally prayed the same prayer. And I remember, you know, the only way that I can describe what happened to me, you know, I don't know exactly all the language, but you know when um, farmers are like marking their cows and they take like that hot iron thing and they stick it like on the, you know, the back of the cow and just, it's, it, it just seared on my heart that David and Jesus prayed the same prayer. And I, it just, it just kind of rocked me and I was like, wait. This is really, really important that David, when he was surrounded by his enemies, when, you know, when the pressures of life are surrounding you and you're squeezed from every side, that what you really want comes out of your mouth. What you really want comes out of you. And when David was pressed and when he was squeezed and when he had, that's the context of Psalm uh, 27, Four is that he's surrounded by his enemies. He's he has pressure around him. He's squeezed, and what comes out is God. I want to be with you where you are. But a millennia later, when Jesus is pressed and he's squeezed, right when he's about to go to the cross for the redemption of all humanity, when he's pressed, when he's squeezed, when the pressure is on Jesus, what he really wants comes out, right? And he prays all of John 17, but there's there's only one place in that entire prayer where he says, Father, I desire. It's his desire. And so both David and the son of David, the Christ, the Messiah, when they're both squeezed and pressed, what they really want comes out. And it's, I want them to be with me where I am to behold my beauty, to behold my glory, to see me for who I am. Right? And this language about one thing comes from Psalm 27.4, and it also comes from Luke 10. Because Mary of Bethany was tapped into this one thing lifestyle, right? Where this one thing was the thing that dictated the way that she lived, the way that she maneuvered life. Because remember that story in Luke 10, Jesus, he comes into the village of Bethany 
and Martha greets him, welcomes him into her home. But Martha is busy. She is distracted. She doesn't have enough time really for Jesus. And she's worried. She's anxious and she's troubled. And what is her sister Mary doing? She's sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening to his word. And she gets upset and she gets angry at her sister. She says, Jesus, don't you care? Don't you care what I am doing? Isn't this, isn't this pleasing you? Isn't this uh, something that you approve of? And he says, Martha, Martha. He's like, what you're doing, you know, like it's, it's, you know, you're doing good things. But let me tell you what I really care about. Let me tell you what I really care about. And he says, I care about what your sister is doing. More than every, all the things that you can do for me, I care about you just sitting and listening to me. <laughs> I care about you sitting and spending time with me. And really what Jesus is getting at is a deep heart connection. He's saying, I, I could care less about all the things that you're doing if, if your heart is disconnected from me. Right? We can't get, we can't control our schedules for the most, like, you know, we got soccer games here, we got work here, we got meetings there. Like, our schedule is busy, but what Jesus cares about is that even in the midst of the busyness, our heart is still connected with him. That even in the midst of all of the craziness of life, that we still have a tender heart towards Jesus. That we still say, Jesus, I love you. Like, that, like, like where it's coming from a genuine place, and he says, she has chosen the one thing that's needed. One thing is needed. And so I'm picking up here in the introduction is that in my notes is that when we read stories and we read things about those who lived wholeheartedly for Jesus, you know, we feel inspired to do the same thing. When we hear things about Mary of Bethany, David, you know, that's amazing. They lived a one thing lifestyle. We're stirred and we feel like, I was like, yeah, I want to live a one thing lifestyle. But still, we may lack the practical understanding of what it actually takes to cultivate a one thing lifestyle. Because a lot of people will say, well, Martha was doing the real work. Martha was really doing the work. And I would actually argue the opposite, is that Mary was actually doing the harder thing. Because it's easy for us to live a life that's distracted and disconnected from Jesus. What's really difficult is actually carving out time in our schedule to connect with him. That's the difficult part. Is we have busy lives, we're distracted, and there's a lot of things that kind of swirl around us to distract us and pull our attention away from Jesus. But what's really hard is to actually carve out time in our schedule, in our life, in our day, to actually connect with Jesus on a heart level. And so both David and Jesus share the one thing desire and show us how to live a life centered around the beauty of God. And that's prayer, passion, presence, perception, and pursuit. You know, I, it's, that's, that's just preaching tactics right there. I, lo I love my alliteration, you know. <laughs> I love having all those Ps there. Prayer, passion, presence, perception, and pursuit. Because the truth of the matter is that this one thing lifestyle, it's simple, but it's not easy. It's simple because it's one thing. Right? I, I talked about it, you know, back in March. It's one thing. I can do one thing. You can do one thing. But the one thing becomes really, really difficult when there are so many other things.
And my, my point and the thing that I'm trying to get to today is living a life that's focused on one thing. And I'm not just talking about a season, and I'm not just talking about a song where, you know, you just, uh, just a moment you get lit up for Jesus. Oh, Jesus, you're my one thing. And then you just start drifting away because you have meetings, you have things here and these, these things here. Or I'm not talking about just singing a song, you know, you are my one thing. You know, I'm, I'm, obviously I'm not on the worship team. Uh, <laughs> but, and you don't want me on the worship team. <laughs> but it's easy. It's easy to sing songs about it, but it's harder to actually live it. And I'm not saying that I've arrived. And I'm not saying that I've actually gotten to a place where I could confidently say I'm actually doing this on a regular basis. But I'm beginning to understand it. I'm beginning to understand it, and the Lord's beginning to touch my spirit. He's beginning to touch my heart with how important this is, not only to my spiritual vitality, but to him. This is actually really important to Jesus, right? Because Martha challenged what Jesus cared about. She said, don't you care? If you look at it legitimately in the text, she says, don't you care is this not of your concern of all of the things that I'm doing? And he responds with, let me tell you what I really care about. And it's this one thing here. And so today I'm just talking about these five Ps on what it looks like to cultivate a lifestyle uh, uh, around this one thing. And it's deep heart connection with Jesus. Amen? All right, let's get going. So the context, this is Roman numeral one, paragraph A or uh, letter A, is that prayer, right? The context in which the one thing lifestyle occurs is in the place of prayer. You cannot live a one thing lifestyle by, without, without being in the place of prayer is that, you know, we say that we're people of prayer, and that's true. But it's one of those things where it's in, when, you, when you have time and you're looking at your schedule, it's not just those blessings, you know, at the food. You know, you want to bless your food. <laughs> and, you know, it's not one of those, like, two-minute, okay, you know, I'm just going to, you know, say a quick prayer before I go into, you know, my day. But it's actually sitting down and actually talking to Jesus. Like I'm not I'm like we can talk to him with throughout our day, but when you look at the life of Mary and when you look at the life of David, they were very very adamant about spending intentional time with the Lord. Right, Mary, she, she, you know, for lack of better words, she carved out time in her schedule to act. She had all of the things to do. She had all of the same things as Martha to do, but yet she carved out time in her schedule to connect with Jesus. She actually set aside all of the things, the urgency of the hour, to actually say, Jesus is just you and me right now. Jesus, let's just, let's just talk. Let's just connect. Because the truth of the matter is that when David and Jesus expressed their longing for this one thing, it was in the context of prayer. Because look at this here in, under, under that paragraph. I have, the, I have the passages and the verses kind of side by side to connect and underlined so that you can see it really clearly. Right? David says, he says, one thing I have asked from the Lord. 
And he says, and Jesus, in uh, John 17, he says, Father, I desire. It's in the context of prayer that both David and Jesus are telling God about their one thing desire. And so what I'm saying is that you can't live a one thing lifestyle without living a life of prayer. Like you cannot, it's impossible. It really is impossible. You cannot live a one thing lifestyle that's revolved around Jesus without continually having a conversation with him. Right, this thing, this thing happens in the place of, that doesn't mean that it can't happen in the place of evangelism. doesn't mean that it can't happen in the place of the classroom, but primarily it takes place in our conversation with God. Right, because our fellowship with God, and this is something that I've learned, and this is why I'm so happy that the worship night happened last night with all of the high schoolers, is because in our fellowship with God, a bullseye is placed on our spirits. A bullseye is placed on our hearts to encounter the glory of God. Right? All you have to do is just get in the same room with him, and it changes everything. Right? Uh, there is, a, there is a, a chorus that Jesse was singing on Wednesday at, at our evening prayer, and it's, Jesus, you change everything. <laughs> When we just get in the same room with Jesus, he changes everything. And that happens primarily in the place of prayer, right, in this conversation with God. So it's impossible to live a one-thing lifestyle that's focused and centered around the beauty of God outside of the place of prayer. And so that means that we have to take time to actually intentionally meet with God, draw near to him, and he'll draw near to us. So that's the context that the one thing lifestyle takes place in. But then this is paragraph B, is that this one thing lifestyle is empowered by desire, a holy passion for the Lord, right? And this is, uh, this is, this is you know, David didn't just say, oh, yeah, you know, this one thing, you know, that's, that's a really good idea. Oh, man, I heard a really good message about, you know, living a one-thing lifestyle. I heard a really good message about Mary of Bethany. No, this thing flowed from this is what I want. And that's my question to you all today is that if everything in life was taken away and stripped away from you, is this the remaining factor of what you want? Like, I'm not talking about this is a good idea. I'm talking about is this what you want? Because David would have said, Put all of my enemies around me. Take away my kingship. You know, take away my family. Take away everything. And this is the one thing that I still want. is to be with God where he is, to behold his beauty, to behold his glory. This thing doesn't just flow from this is a good idea. It flows from holy passion. It flows from this is the deepest longing of my heart. That's what it means to be a person of one thing. It's not just... Because, because the, 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 the distractions and the trials and the tribulations and the, 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 the busyness of our schedule and the demands and the, the, uh, the, the demand of the, and the urgency of the hour is too much just for this one thing just to be a good idea. In order to brave the rough waters, in order to actually swim against the stream of busyness, this has to be what you want. 
Right, because we, we, we chase after the things that we really want. We chase after the things that we really desire. And, you know, people may say, well, how do I get passion? How do I get desire? Well, you got to understand how God is passionate about you. Right, when you understand the fiery, that's why it's important to understand God as an all-consuming fire. Is because when you see him as this all-consuming fire of love and jealous desire for you, it'll ignite something in your heart, and you'll say, God, what am I doing with my life? Like, you know, you, it's, it's like, God, there's a fire and a flame ignited on the inside of you to say, God, this is worth pursuing all the days of my life. Like, this is something that I want. And one of my prayers has been, Lord, would you release the, the all-consuming flame of love that's in your heart on the inside of me? Because I understand how much I lack in this, but I want more. And the way that we can get more is by asking God for more. <laughs> is by asking God for more. Right? This is this, this one thing. Like, uh, look, check it out here in the verses below. It says... One thing I have desired of the Lord. And then Jesus, he says in John 17, 24, he says, Father, I desire. This is way beyond this is a good idea and a good message. This is what I want. In the deepest longing of my heart, this is what I long for. Right, and I don't want. I don't want to. I don't just preach these messages so that we can play church and have a good time, and then go get barbecue after church. Even though I love barbecue, <laughs> I love. I love good. I love barbecue. I love. I, I love. I love eating. You know, it's just it's good stuff. But I I say what I say because I want this to actually change the, the trajectory of decades of my life. You, you, like, like, I don't say this stuff just because it's like, oh, yeah, this will preach good. Like, this is actually realities that I'm beginning to touch in my heart that I say, when I'm, whether I'm 26 or 76, I want this still to be relevant to me. You know, like, 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 like this is for real to me. And I say this stuff because I want it to be for real to you because it's important to Jesus. Like, I, I hope you guys are tracking with me on this, right? So, the context of the one thing lifestyle is in the place of prayer, but the engine, the thing that drives this lifestyle, the engine, the thrust of this is desire. And it's more powerful than a V8. <laughs> There's no higher motivation for this lifestyle other than holy passion and holy desire. Because if it's just a good idea to you, it won't sustain and it won't, it won't endure the rough waters of all, all that the world is, throws at you. It has to be this is what you want. But the central focus of the one thing lifestyle is the presence of God. Being in pro close proximity and intimate with him. I was talking to a couple of friends yesterday morning, and I was talking to them. And I was like, isn't this the end goal of all ministry? Is that we would encounter the glorious presence of God? 
like that, that, you know, we can go to our worship nights. We can go to the Sunday mornings. We can go to the, get the, the Friday night revival services. But isn't at the end of the day, isn't that the end goal is to meet Jesus? Isn't that the end goal is to value him and host his presence? Like, like as, a, as, a, as a Bible teacher, I don't want to just do class and just go on with the rest of my day. I want my students to leave saying, ah, oh, I, I felt something in my heart. I encountered the presence of God. There's this uh, guy that I read this book. Uh, somebody recommended this book to me. His name is Walter Butler. Um, and he's just kind of a, a low-key guy like that not many people know about. But he was a Bible teacher in his day, right? He, had, he was a teacher at a Bible college, I think. Um, and he, one of the stories, or his, the book actually that he wrote is called The Manifest Presence of God. And there would be moments that as he was teaching, it was like the presence of God would step into the room. And all of a sudden, he would take a step back from his podium, from his notes, and all of his students could feel the presence of God in the room. And they would just take time just to minister to the Lord. And when the bell rang, they stayed. And then the next class was lined out outside the class looking in saying, what's going on? Like, we have to get to our next class. But it's because they were so inundated with the presence of God. They were so aware of God's presence that it was, that it was everything to them, that, you know, the, the time was moving, that the notes didn't matter for the day. Is the Lord is here, and we're ministering to him right now, and we're giving him our attention. That's the vision that I want for my life, is that when I preach and that when I teach, and even in my classroom or wherever I go, that it's People aren't aware of Marvin Jr., but they're aware of the presence of Jesus. Like, isn't, isn't that the end goal? It's to know God and to encounter his presence. And that's the focus of the one thing lifestyle. It's not how big can I grow my ministry. It's not how many people can we, you know, have at a worship night. It's I want to meet Jesus. I want to know Jesus. Right, and I always like to say, this is a phrase that I kind of picked up as I was teaching the priesthood stuff, is that God is a real person with a real personality, and that means he has a real presence. God is a real person with a real personality, and that means he has a real presence. All right? And because of Jesus' shed blood on the cross... We have access to God's throne in heaven and the Holy Spirit who dwells on the inside of us, right? Is that uh, it, really as believers, we have no excuse not to encounter and engage with the presence of God. <laughs> we really don't. We have access to his throne in heaven and the Holy Spirit dwells on the inside of us. We have no excuse not to encounter and know the presence of God. But the question is, do you want to know the presence and the, and the glory of God? Because it's, there's an open door. There's access. It's do you want it? 
Do you want it? Is this your desire? And that's why this thing flows from desire. God did everything. He sent his son to the cross. Jesus shed his blood, inaugurated a new covenant. The veil was torn. We have full access to God in heaven. The Holy Spirit was poured on the inside of us. And the question is, will you walk through the door to encounter the presence of God? We have access to all of it, but do you want it? That's why this thing is powered by desire. And desire reorients our schedule. Mm. All right, the last two P's here is, this is paragraph D. So if the context of the one thing lifestyle is in the place of prayer, and the engine that pushes this lifestyle forward is passion, holy desire, and the focus, the aim, and the goal is the presence of the Lord, the main activity of the one thing lifestyle is beholding. Mm, It's just seeing God. Wow. Because a lot of the times our Christianity starts with, what do I have to do? What commands do I have to follow? What do I have to, what are the regulations? What are the, and God is saying, just look at me. <laughs> just look at Jesus. That's all you got to do is just look at him. You know, just that, that's the, and, and it's in the looking. It's in the beholding. It's in the seeing God that our inside, that our heart is transformed. You know, the Apostle Paul puts forth this beholding and becoming principle in 2 Corinthians 3.18. He says, we all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to the next. It's in the beholding that we, that we are transformed. It's in the seeing God that we're transformed. That doesn't mean that the mission trips we go on aren't effective. That doesn't mean that the evangelism that we do in the streets aren't effective in changing us. But the primary way that Christians are matured, the, way, the primary way that we actually begin to look like Jesus is just simply beholding him. It's simply looking at him. And that comes by study and meditation in the word. And I've been reading this guy, A.W. Tozer. Many of you all know him. I've been reading his book, The Knowledge of the Holy, and my mind has been getting blown because he, in his first, in his first couple of chapters, he talks about how our, uh, our, the way that we see God is the most important thing about us. And what he says is that oftentimes we entertain too low of a view of who God is. And that in our minds, we formed a God like us, but we need to understand that God is not like us. That he is self-existent. He is, nobody created him. He's been, since eternity past, he's completely transcendent in glory. His beauty is endless. His splendor will blind the eyes uh, of everybody in this room. And we have to understand that he's well beyond anything that we can think or imagine. But the way that we begin to grow in the knowledge of who he is is by who he declares himself to be in his word. 
and that our, our thinking about God has to be realigned with and checked up with how he describes himself in the word. Because the truth of the matter is that the God that you behold is the person that you will eventually become. Is that if you see God as mean and wrathful and stingy, then you will be mean and angry and stingy as well. But if you see God in his beauty, and if you see God in his glory, in his generosity, in his love, in his compassion, in his mercy, in his faithfulness, you know what that will do to you? It will change you. (laughs) And it will change you into the same image of you being generous, of you being merciful, of you being compassionate, faithful love. It's in the God that you behold. But the truth of the matter is that you can't behold God without God. You need help. I need help. We need help to see God for who he actually is. And that takes the spirit of wisdom and of revelation to fall on us. We need the eyes of our heart to be opened, to behold God, to see him for who he actually is. And that's why the Apostle Paul prays what he prayed in Ephesians 1, 17 and 18. He says, I pray that the Father of glory would give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him to see him for who he actually is. And I think that we'll be surprised Because God is way more delightful, and he's way more beautiful, and he's way more glorious, and he's way more kind, and he's way more loving, and he's way more merciful than we imagine him to be. Hallelujah. (laughs) Hallelujah. So what if the measure of true Christian maturity isn't how big we can grow our ministry, but how much we're transformed into the same image of Jesus? Mm. All right, the last P here is pursuit. Is that when the fire of holy desire captures the human heart, the one thing lifestyle becomes a priority that we pursue all the days of our life. Think about that. Look at that, uh, look at that bottom passage in Psalm 27, 4. This is what David says. He says, one thing that I've asked of the Lord That will I actively seek out all the days of my life. Can you imagine having one focus for decades? And when you are, you you know, when you've come to the end of your life and you say, this is the one thing that I still want. That's what, that is, that is what I want. I mean, imagine that. David was called, he was a sophomore in high school. When he said, when, he, when God called him a man after his own heart, and he was about maybe 60, 70 years old when, you know, he, when he died. You know, and so it's one of those things where he says, all the days of my life, this is what I want to pursue. This is what I want to chase after. This is what I want my life to be about is this one thing. And David was adamant and clear. He said the discovery of God's beauty was something that he zealously pursued no matter the cost. Because pursuing this lifestyle is costly. This lifestyle of this one thing is really costly. It cost him his friendships. It cost him his familial relationships. Because people in his family and his friends, they made fun of him because he was zealous about God's house. He was zealous about pursuing God. 
And that's, that's the thing that happens is that when you're zealous for God, when you're zealously pursuing the Lord, you get made fun of. You get teased. You get ostracized. You get marginalized because it's completely other than and against what the world is offering. So what would this look like to pursue this all the days of our life? I'm not talking about... It, I, obviously, as I'm developing this theme and I'm developing this thought, like I said, I haven't arrived. And it's one of those things where it's like I don't know all the language and how to say it the best, but I've caught a vision. I've caught a vision of where I want my life to go. I've caught a vision of what I want my life to be like. I've caught a vision of saying, God, I want this one thing to be my one thing and keeping the main thing, the main thing, and the one thing, the one thing, all the days of my life. I want this one thing to reorient and shape the way that I live. I'm not talking about a song, you are my one thing. And I'm not talking about a season where we're just hyped up on emotional zeal for Jesus. I'm talking about something di that directs my life for years and decades. Where I would, where I would be... You know, like I said, 76 or 86 or 96, however the Lord would have me live or before he, or, you know, if he, if he tarries, that I want to say that this is still relevant to me. This is still relevant to me. And, and the, the ultimate knowledge of God's infinite beauty is held within the face of Christ Jesus. That Jesus would be our pursuit, your pursuit, my pursuit, all the days of my life. All the days of your life, right? Because this is about living, uh, living with Jesus as our magnificent obsession, as Mike Bickle says, right? As the House of Prayer, International House of Prayer in Kansas City says, that Jesus would be our magnificent obsession, where he would be the one, the person, the glorious one that captivates our hearts. And we say, Jesus, you're worth pursuing. Lord, I want to pursue you all the days of my life. And the truth of the matter is that we'll never arrive, but we'll always discover more of God in the face of Christ Jesus. Right? And so living a one-thing lifestyle, it takes endurance and intentionality. But it takes prayer. It takes passion. We focus on the presence of the Lord. We behold his beauty. And this is a, a lifestyle. This is a goal. This is something worth pursuing all the days of our life. Amen? Amen. I'm going to invite you all to stand. We're just going to respond. And typically, you know, I'm a little more lighthearted and jokey around and you know I like to but this is something that's really gripped my heart where I'm saying this is not just a this is not just a cute Sunday message that you know it's just like cool uh, but this is something where it's like God like there's nothing else that I want more than this to pursue you all the days of my life and uh, catching a vision of what it looks like to pursue Jesus um, all the days of my life, and hopefully something stirred in your heart to do the same, to do it with a renewed zeal and a fresh fire. So I just, I guess there's more so two calls today, is that if you want this, if you, if, if this hasn't been a one thing to you, if the one thing, if you've been, you know, concerned with many things, the call today is to, 
uh, readjust and realign your heart in your life with this one thing desire and this one thing pursuit. And if this has been a one thing for you and you've kind of drifted away or you would like a renewed fire and renewed zeal, today is the day to ask the Lord to give you the fire of his desire for this one thing, to live a life that's connected to the heart of Jesus, that's centered around beholding his beauty, that's centered around beholding his glory. So whatever is comfortable to you, whether it's putting out a hand or lifting a hand or kneeling or sitting or whatever it may be, we're just going to take a moment just to ask the Lord that to readjust and realign our desires, to realign our lifestyle. So, Father, we come before you in the name of Jesus, and we're asking you, Lord, would you mark our hearts this morning? Would you mark our hearts this day? with the same passion and the same fire and the same desire that's in your heart to behold your beauty, to be with you where you are. Lord, that we would have that same flame that was in David's heart, that we would have that same prayer that was in, on Jesus' lips. Lord, that we would say, Father, this is what we desire, that we would be a people that desires one thing, and that's to behold and encounter the beauty of Jesus. So God, we're asking, even now, Lord, would you release, Lord, would you release fire in our hearts? Would you reorient our desires? Would you reorient our pursuit, our lifestyle, Lord, to pursue this one thing all the days of our life? 